Well, good morning. Uh, if we haven't met before, my name is David. Like Al said, I'm normally part of Church at 11, but it's uh, my privilege to be with you this morning and to help us to think about uh, that one sentence from 1 Peter. Uh, if you have your Bible, your bulletin open, uh, like we just read, it's there. There's an outline for the talk there. And this morning, we're thinking about this idea of once for all. You can see that on the outline there, once for all. In other words, we're thinking about uh, people making a swap. We're thinking about people trading places with one another. We're thinking about a substitute taking the place of other people. And that kind of thing happens all the time, doesn't it? Like I remember when I was at school and uh, if our regular teacher was away, maybe they were sick or doing some training or something, not really sure, but if our regular teacher was away, there was usually a substitute teacher who would come and take their place of the regular teacher. It happens in sport uh, as well, doesn't it? Like at soccer... If you're getting tired or if you get injured, you go off the field and another player comes on and takes your place. They're a substitute. It can even happen at work. If uh, you ring up sick or you can't do your shift for whatever reason, then your boss might find someone else to come in and take your place, to be your substitute. See, people trade places all the time. They act as substitutes. They fill in for one another. They take the place of someone else. In that sentence from the Bible that we just read, it tells us about a time when Jesus took our place, a time when Jesus was our substitute. Now, as soon as you hear that, you might start wondering a whole bunch of things, like, who does Jesus think he is that he can take my place? Or you might be wondering, why do I even need Jesus to swap places with me? What's all that about? Or it could be that you're wondering, well, if Jesus does take my place, what do I get out of that? What's in it for me? Those are all great questions. And if you're wondering those kinds of things, I'm really glad you're here because today, even though we're looking at just one sentence from the Bible, it actually answers all those questions. So as we work our way through this sentence, we're going to start by thinking about who is this substitute? Then we're going to think about who did he substitute himself for? And we're going to finish by thinking about why did he do that? What are the results of Jesus swapping places with other people? What do they get out of it? So we'll start with who is the substitute? And our sentence from the Bible gives us three parts to that that answer. So here's the sentence. It's up on the screen. It says, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That sentence is all about one person, a substitute, taking the place of others. And the guy who wrote that sentence, a man called Peter, he really wanted people to understand that. And so he just repeated the same idea basically three times. So to help us to see that, I'm going to arrange it like this. Christ died for sins, once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. That's the same idea, basically, repeated three times. And each time it's repeated, it tells us something about who the substitute is, and it also tells us who he substituted himself for. So let's start by thinking about the substitute. Who is the substitute? It's the first part of each of those phrases. So the first thing we're told about the substitute is that he is Christ. Now, that's not a swear word. Christ is a reference to Jesus. It's a way of talking about Jesus. 
Like Christ isn't a name. It's not like Christ is Jesus' surname. It's better to think of Christ as being a title. It's a bit like how we call Scott Morrison the Prime Minister, right? Prime Minister is his title. And that title tells us something about him. It tells us that he's been elected to govern our country. Christ is a title like that. It's Jesus' title. And it tells us something about him. The title of Christ tells us that Jesus is someone special. It tells us that he's been sent from God. And it tells us that he's a king. See, in the Bible, the title Christ is the title that is given to the king that God has chosen to rule the world. So that's who this substitute is. He's the Christ, a king. What else does it say? It says Christ died. Which in one sense is not really surprising, is it? Because the only thing sure in this life are death and taxes. People die every day. And even though Jesus was the Christ, he was still a person. So of course he died. That makes sense. And like our sentence says, Christ died once. That's talking about Jesus when he died on the cross. That's our substitute. He's Christ, the King, who died once. That's not all we're told about the substitute, though. Uh, We're also told he was righteous. Now, that just means he had a good relationship with God. Righteous means right with God. Which is actually a really interesting thing to be told because we've just seen that the Christ died once on the cross. And being executed on the cross was a form of punishment. It was a bit like the electric chair or lethal injections that are sometimes used today. It was an execution for something you've done wrong. You get punished. In fact, when Jesus was executed, there were two criminals executed with him at the same time, one on each side, and they were executed for what they had done wrong. They were getting what they deserved. What's really interesting here, though, is that Jesus hadn't done anything wrong. He was righteous, it says. And in fact, just a bit earlier in this same letter, back in chapter 2, Peter said this about Jesus. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. See, Jesus had no sin. Now put all that together and what have we seen about the substitute here? We've seen that it's Jesus who is the Christ, God's chosen king. And we've also seen that he was righteous. In other words, he had a good relationship with God. He had no sin and therefore he didn't deserve to die. But we've also seen that he did die. He died on the cross. Which I reckon raises the question, when Jesus was executed on the cross... If he wasn't dying for his own sins, whose sins was he dying for? Whose place was he taking? Who did he substitute himself for? Well, that's what the second part of those phrases are all about. Who did Jesus substitute himself for? It was for sins. It was for all. It was for the unrighteous. The sad truth is that all of those phrases, they describe all of us. We are all unrighteous sinners. We don't like someone telling us what to do or how to live, least of all God, and so we rebel against him in lots of different ways. We ignore him and we just go about life our own way. 
We say to God, go away. I don't want you telling me what to do. Leave me alone. We disobey his instructions for living in his world. And worse still, we have the hide to shake our puny little fists up in God's face and tell him to rack off. However we do it, though, we all rebel against God. That's what the Bible calls sin. And sin ruins our relationship with God. Like we thought about with the kids, it makes us his enemies. Jesus always obeyed God. He had a good relationship with God. He was righteous. All of us disobey God. Our relationship with God is broken. We are unrighteous. And because of our sin, we're now disconnected from God. And we know what it's like, don't we, to be disconnected from other people. Our eldest son, Darius, he's part of the scout group here in Dubbo. And earlier this year, in January, he went away to the Australian Jamboree with the scouts down in South Australia. He was gone for about two weeks, and we'd never been away from any of our kids for anywhere near that long before. And while he was gone, it felt like we were a bit disconnected from Darius, physically at least. When you move to a new town, or when you take a new job, or when you go to a new school, you can feel disconnected, can't you? Disconnected from your old friends. Now, to some extent, that can be fixed by phone or by Skype or by communicating in whatever way it is. Sometimes, though, disconnection isn't because of distance. Sometimes disconnection comes because our relationship is messed up and broken. We can live very close to family or friends, but because of something we've done to them or because of something they've done to us, the relationship can be badly damaged, broken. We can be completely disconnected. We can be in a marriage and be disconnected from the person we're married to. I know of people who haven't spoken to family members for years. Complete disconnection. And it's that kind of relationship disconnection, that's the disconnection we have with God because of our sin. We are disconnected from God because we have rejected him. See, the trouble is when we reject God, when we rebel against him, we do damage. We do damage to ourselves, we do damage to other people, and especially we do damage to our relationship with God, and God calls us to account for that. We have to pay for all the damage we've done. And the penalty, the cost for all that damage, is death and hell. That's what we deserve. But what our sentence is saying is that Jesus substituted himself for us. He took our place. See, when it says that Christ died for sins, it's not that he was punished for what he did wrong. He didn't do anything wrong, remember? When Jesus died, he was paying for what we did wrong. That's what it goes on to explain. Christ died for sins once. Once he's talking about Jesus when he died on the cross. Once for all. All is talking about us and all the things we do wrong, all the damage that we've caused. Jesus died for us in our place instead of us. The righteous, that's talking about Jesus. He never did anything wrong. He didn't have any sins. He had a good relationship with God. The righteous for the unrighteous, that's us. Sinful people who've rejected God, who've rebelled against him and who've broken our relationship with him. 
We are the ones who deserve God's punishment. But what our sentence is saying is that Jesus took our punishment in our place. He paid for the damage we've caused. He substituted himself for us. He died instead of us. I actually read a a great story about this during the week. The story was about a farmer whose one of his fields got burnt. I don't think it was in the fires down in Victoria, but it could have been. Anyway, once this fellow's field had stopped burning, he decided he should make sure that the fire was out for good. So he walked through his field, kicking the smouldering clumps of grass and stamping out the embers. And after a while, he kicked one particular clump and got the shock of his life because under this clump of charred, smoking debris was a cluster of little baby chicks that immediately scattered in all directions. Now, after his initial surprise, this guy realised that what had looked like a burnt clump of grass was actually the remains of a mother hen. The mother hen had somehow realised the fire was coming. She somehow realised that her chicks were in danger of being burnt to death. And so she had deliberately substituted herself for her chicks. She took their place. She sacrificed herself so as to shield them and to protect them from the flames. That mother hen died and her chicks survived. Once for all. Now that is what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross. He took our place. He substituted himself for us. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Now, I'm sure we can all agree that is an incredibly generous thing to do. Like paying someone's overdue fine at the library, I reckon that's pretty generous. Paying someone's speeding fine, that's even more generous. It's hard to imagine anyone being generous enough to go to jail for someone else, but what Jesus has done for us, it tops all those things. He died in our place for our sins. It is almost unbelievably generous. Which begs the question, though, doesn't it? Why? Why on earth would he do that? Why would Jesus volunteer to take our place? Why would he step in as our substitute? Well, this is actually the most exciting part of our sentence. Let me read it again and listen especially to the last five words. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. See what it says? To bring you to God. That's why Jesus did it. That's why Jesus substituted himself in your place, to bring you to God. Now, what does that even mean? Well, it's not that Jesus died to bring us physically close to God. God's right here. He sees everything we do. He hears everything we say. It's not that we're physically a long way away from God. That's not the problem. The problem, remember, is that relationally we're a long way away from God. That is, because of the bad way we treat God, because we ignore him and reject him and rebel against him, we've damaged our relationship with God. It's broken. There's complete disconnection. Relationally, we are a long way away from God. And that's a problem because without God, we deserve death and hell. 
But God does not want it to be like that. God's heart is that he wants to bring you to himself. And what we've seen in this sentence is that Jesus has done everything that needs to be done to bring you to God. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. So what does it mean for Jesus to bring us to God? Well, it means that your sins will be wiped out by his death. The damage that you've caused to yourself and to others and to your relationship with God, it will be paid for completely and in full by Jesus. Instead of being found guilty and condemned by God, you'll be forgiven by God. That's what it means for Jesus to bring you to God. It also means being restored to peace with God. Instead of being God's enemies, we're now his friends. It means having a good relationship with God. See, when Jesus brings you to God, your unrighteousness is replaced by Jesus' righteousness. In this sentence, Jesus is offering to swap with us, right? He's offering a trade. He'll take your broken relationship with God, he'll take it away, and he'll give you his good and perfect relationship with God. Being brought to God by Jesus means being on good terms with God. It means being safe with God. It means being at ease with God. It also means a new life here and now. A life where you know God personally. A life where you are close to God. A life where you live with God. A life where you live for God. Being brought to God means a brand new life. But not just life here and now. Being brought to God means a new kind of life. Life that stretches past death and into forever, eternal life. Being brought to God means no longer having to face God's anger and judgment. Instead, it means a secure eternity with God. That is what God wants for us. That is what God wants for you. That's what this sentence has been all about. God's heart is that he wants you to be with him. He wants you to be brought to him. He wants you to be safe and at peace with him. He wants you to be forgiven from all your sins. See, that is why Christ died for sins, once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. It was to bring you to God. That's what he wants. But I guess the question is, what do you want? Because it might be that you want to keep on living life your own way. It might be that you're happy ignoring God. You're, you're fine without him in your life. If that is what you want, then please think carefully. Let me urge you to investigate thoroughly the things we've been thinking about this morning. Because if this is true, and it is, there are serious, serious consequences life and death consequences, eternal consequences for continuing to reject God. But it might be that you don't want to live your own way anymore. Maybe you've had enough. Maybe you don't want to ignore God anymore. Maybe what you want is is to be brought to him. If that's what you want, then what this sentence is saying is that you have to come to God through Jesus. 
If you want to be brought to God, then trust in Jesus. And he will deal with your sins and he will pay for the damage you've done and he will bring you to God and you'll be forgiven and you can start a brand new life, a life lived God's way with him. And friends, all that is only possible because Jesus has taken our place as our substitute. Just like our sentence said, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we're sorry for the times when we uh, ignore you or when we deliberately disobey you. Uh, Sorry for the times when we try and live life our own way. We're sorry that we've messed up our relationship with you and made ourselves your enemies. And uh, we know that when we do that, that we deserve for you to be angry with us and we deserve to be punished. And that's why we're incredibly thankful for Jesus, that he would be our substitute, that he would volunteer to step in and take our place, that he would die instead of us to deal with our sins, to wipe away our guilt, to pay for the damage that we've done so that we don't need to face your anger and judgment anymore. So Father, help us to trust in Jesus, please, so that we can be brought to you by him so we can be forgiven, so we can have a good relationship with you again, and so we can live with you safely forever. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.